Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? Um, they look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy today. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And we have uh, welcome to Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 86, and we are powered by the Fantasy Points Media Group. And joining us today, we've got a member of Fantasy Points, one of the founding fathers of Fantasy Points, Joe Dolan. How are you doing, Joe? Oh, I'm doing well, Matt. It's good to be with you here. And uh, you accommodated your schedule for me, and I guess we're both accommodating each other's schedules. You're going to Canton, which is great. You said uh, we were talking off air. You haven't been to many places in the states. So Canton is. Not a big town, but the Hall of Fame for any football fan is an absolute must-see. I have to tell you that. It's like you'll you'll really enjoy your time there when you're in Canton. Well, I, I was a lot more excited before I found out like Whataburger and In-N-Out Burger and all these other burger places. They're out west. They're not out yeah, there. Sorry. Everyone's talking about these great burger joints that we don't have in Canada. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get some of this. I'm going to get some of this. And then it turns out... <laughs> I'm probably going to have to settle for Wendy's or Subway. <laughs> yeah, no uh, than here. Uh, definitely pick Wendy's over Subway. Uh, that, that, but um, here's – wait, do you not have Wendy's in Canada? We got Wendy's and we got all the major corporations. Okay, okay, all right, all right. I was about to say. The one thing I knew when I went up – when I've been in Canada is the fact that, like, McDonald's serves poutine, which is really – poutine is an amazing food. Um, just uh, – it's, it's like basically everything that you could possibly want, so uh, – yeah, I don't think we do it as well as the Canadians do, but some places do it. They don't serve it at Wendy's down here. Um, yeah, unfortunately, as somebody who is from the Northeast, we don't really have like one of those fast food chains, unless I'm just completely blanking. We don't really have one of those fast food chains in the Northeast. Of people are like, oh my God, I'm in, I'm in Philly. I got to go here to the... It's more regionalized, like... We got a lot of cuisine in the Northeast states that is regional that we're really proud of. Of course, you know, Philly cheesesteaks or, you know, if you go to, to Maine and lobster and, and lobster rolls and all that stuff and pizza in New York and all that. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't unless I'm completely blanking on something now in, in the Philly area, or at least in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, you might I don't know if you know about this. We have warring gas stations. Really? Yeah. So in Philly, there's Wawa, which is a gas station slash convenience store that has like a sub shop inside. And Pittsburgh has Sheets, which which has a wider reach than Wawa. But there's a there's there's a loyalty kind of a kind of thing going there. But I don't know if we have a fast food chain that people are like, whoa, yeah, like no, all of them are like in and out. Now I I live down south where we have Cookout and Zaxby's and Bojangles, and those are pretty good if you like chicken. Uh, do you have Chick-fil-A in Canada? Uh, in the bigger centers, we do. Not where I'm from. Because yeah. we, we don't get that fancy stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the bigger centers, they do have the Chick-fil-A and some of the other things you've mentioned there. But we don't have those big – like Bojangles, that's a place I want to check out. Don't have that opportunity where I'm at. But, you know, hey, if any of these corporations are listening, which I don't think they are, hook me up. We'll, we'll see if we get some talk. Maybe we'll get a big chain out here where I'm at. Yeah, get, send something that's like freeze dried or something that maybe you can uh, you can pop in the oven and heat up here. I I have been to In and Out. Um, I the only time I've been to In and Out, I walked there uh, from my hotel when I was in Las Vegas at like eleven in the morning. Bad idea. I mean, look, eleven <laughs> in the eleven in the morning in Las Vegas. Okay, nobody's feeling good at eleven in the morning in Las Vegas. But when you're walking there in June, no, it's just a really really bad idea. Uh, yeah, um, that was one where like my stomach had to settle for a while after that. So that's the only time I've been to In and Out. So I don't really have that great experience. It is very good. Um, I don't know if it was like, oh, oh my god, good, but it was pretty damn good. But uh, that you're a Raiders fan, so you got to go to Vegas and check the Raiders out and get yourself uh, an In and Out. Actually, funny, funny story. My aunt, who's a, who happens to be a nurse down there, 
was a Golden Knights season ticket holder or half season ticket holder or however they worked that out. When I found out the Raiders were moving there, I'm like, hey, hey, Auntie, get some tickets. Get the season <laughs> tickets. So she's actually bought the Raiders season tickets. So I've got tickets to the Raiders and Ravens and whatnot. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out which games I want to go to. And I know we can fly out to certain areas. It's a little bit cheaper than flying straight out of Canada. So once the border is open for Canada to drive down the States, that's another option. Last time I went to Vegas, I had brought like eight kids with me and we walked the strip at 11 o'clock in the morning. By the way, at 11 o'clock in the morning, it's not like 11 o'clock in the morning in Canada, man. It's like, what, 102 degrees already? Oh, yeah. And, and it is a dry heat. And, like, as somebody who sweats my ass off, there is a difference. There is a difference. Um, that I live in South Carolina. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I dive into the, the Everglades every time I walk outside. But um, there is a difference. As somebody who is a sweaty mess, dry heat is better. Because the breeze cuts through a little bit more, it is better than humidity. But at some point, ninety plus is ninety plus, and, and Vegas, yeah. I mean, eleven o'clock, it feels like you're in the middle of the desert because you are. At, at, at high noon, the sun is just beating down. It is not like a sleepy morning, like you would say in Canada or somewhere where you're, you know, there, there's humidity or oh, it is hot. I, not I will in take Canton, not in Canton. That'll be humid in Canton, but yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I'm not a big humidity guy either. Like I like it. the dry heat, something I'm used to. I can handle it. I've been to Costa Rica, Haiti, uh, Mexico. Did not like it at all. That humidity just kicks my butt. It's it's not it's not nice. It's it's yeah. not nice. But up and down the East Coast, man, uh, it, you're gonna get humidity. Uh, uh, like the I'm from Pennsylvania. It gets humid there. Uh, Ohio will get humid. So uh, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's seasonable for you this coming weekend. By the way, I know we're listening talking about this after. The, uh, the people are listening to this after, but I guess we might as well establish that timeline. Not, I hope I didn't blow up your spot there. No, no, we're, we're pre-recorded here. This okay. is a, a pre-recording on Wednesday. The show is going to be playing on Monday. So you're listening to this on a Monday right now. The, uh, I don't know what it is, 16th? 16th is Monday. We're doing this because I'm, I'm flying back that day. So I fly back into Canada on the 16th, so we wouldn't have time to record. So here we go. We're uh, doing the show here right now. And you mentioned the humidity there. We're talking... First thing we got to kick off is Eagles talk because mm -hmm. uh, I look your background is with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're kind of a, a Philly fanatic, so to speak. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like like Mostly most Philly bad. fans, I was gonna say like most Philly fans, you probably have a love-hate relationship with your team. Like we're talking like a franchise that throws snowballs at Santa Claus and oh, you gotta and go there. You gotta, I gotta go, go there. there. We've done Dude, so many worse things than that. I know, <laughs> like, I know. Like the snowballs like, at is funny. The guy was drunk. <laughs> the two things I know Philly for is Santa Claus and Rocky. And you throw the Liberty Bell in there a little bit too and whatnot. But you know, those are the things. Rocky and what kid didn't like pretend they're running up the stairs? And does that does that actually tick you off when people talk about Rocky and Philly nowadays? Like, is that one of those things? Like, no, really Rocky's awesome. There too? Like that. That's not one of those things. Like, it, it does kind of piss me off. I'm like, oh, this is a city where the most famous person from it's a fictional boxer. I'm like, have you ever heard of Benjamin Franklin? Like, shut up. Like, the the entire country was born in Philadelphia. So no, but like no, Rocky, he's got the spirit. It's a good movie. It's a real good movie. So no, it doesn't bother me. Um. Maybe sometimes, like, but, you know, the teams lean into it. You know, when the Eagles need a big third down stop late in the game or a third down conversion, they play the the theme with Adrian sitting in her hospital bed. Adrian sitting in her hospital bed go, win, you know? Like, they do that stuff. They lean into it. But it, it, I, my wife, by the way, has never seen Rocky. Never seen her. She's seen Creed, but not Rocky. She likes Michael B. Jordan. So, yeah, I mean, that it, it's one of those things that it doesn't really bother. I will say, not, not, I'm not, I'm not going to throw stuff here, but the, the snowballs at Santa thing does bother me because I'm like, there are so many worse things that have happened in Philadelphia and elsewhere. We're like, I mean, the guy, I mean, yeah, the guy was drunk and you're throwing snowballs at Santa. Your team stinks. Like, who cares? You know, he was fine. I'm sure he got over it 40 years later. It was a clue on Jeopardy like two weeks ago. I know. I always get a good chuckle when I see the like the NFL films and when they pull that up on NFL films. I, I can't help but kind of chuckle and laugh at the whole situation because I think Santa kind of played into it a little bit too, right? He kind of put his hand up there, and I don't even know if he knew what day of the week it was to be honest with you, but yeah. he, he went about his thing. Uh, we do know what day it is. It's Wednesday. We're recording on a Monday, 
and we're talking Eagles here and training camps going on. So the first thing we got we got to address the elephant in the room here. We know we know Hertz has kind of got the quarterback position there. Flacco is the guy behind him right now. The longer this whole Deshaun Watson and Houston thing kind of drags out, does that is there a possibility in your opinion of him landing with the Eagles? I was joking on Twitter and I threw this scenario like two months ago. And kind of just as a <laughs> watch as he's gonna end up in Philly, just kind of joking around, and all of a sudden it starts to kick in there. The draft capital is I don't and I know Houston with McNair, he is about as headstrong as any owner in the national football league. He could actually sit on him all year and not care about it. Uh, so, and, you know, I, I got to be honest, and this is not just from like, first and foremost, the Eagles are a logical landing spot. Why? They have massive draft capital for 2021. They don't, or 2022 rather. They don't have a locked in frame. Jalen Hurts might be the guy. We don't know. Um, I would probably lean no right now, but the guy only played four games and he did so in a broken offense. I think he should get a chance. Uh, and we know Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are exceptionally aggressive when they want to go get their guy. You know, they 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 made the trade for Wentz. You know, they uh, they traded McNabb away when they thought Vic when when Andy Reid was in town. This is not a team that's going to sit on its laurels. My question, though, and and I've been asking myself this the entire time is why would any team do this right now? Uh, and I like I, I just like I, now you have to imagine the teams have more intel from us. And I'm trying to look at this from as cynical a perspective as possible, like because ultimately we've seen it enough. Maybe maybe the NFL is improving in some areas, but we've seen it enough to know that, like, ultimately teams just care about winning games. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the players they have on that roster and some of the backgrounds that they have. You know, if you can win games, fans are going to forgive you for things. But I mean, even if we look at the moral rot it might take to trade for somebody who has 22 active sexual assault allegations, are you seriously going to part with multiple firsts, maybe a starter or two, a second round pick, you know, down the line for somebody who, Matt, it is within the range of outcomes that Deshaun Watson does not play another down in the NFL. That's in the range of outcomes. Now, I think two years ago, you and I probably would be sitting here talking about Tyreek Hill and saying that was in the range of outcomes. And, you know, the Chiefs ended up signing him and sweeping it under the rug, and now they put, you know, highlights of him up on on, on Twitter every week. So, I mean, far be it from me to say these NFL teams, this, this is the team that's going to take a stand. But from I'm just speaking from an on-field perspective. I mean, what if he settles – like, I, I mean, it's just – I don't even want to get into all the hypotheticals and, and minimize this discussion, but I don't know. And, and with each passing day, by the way, don't you think it gets less likely? I mean, I mean you're coming in here and, like, Jalen Hurts, for instance, Philly, Sam Darnold, they're going to play this weekend for their respective teams. They're going to be the starting quarterback, and they're going to be talked about on the broadcast. You know, this is Jalen Hurts' shot. You know, it, the Eagles have all the ammunition to go get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or the next disgruntled quarterback. But what's the best outcome for Philadelphia? The best outcome for Philadelphia isn't you trade three draft picks for Deshaun Watson who has – these allegations hanging over him and a potential suspension, if not likely suspension. The best outcome for Philadelphia is Jalen Hurts plays well. And then you have these high end draft picks to build around Jalen Hurts. Is that the most likely outcome based on what we've seen? I don't know how you could confidently say that. And the Eagles certainly know more than you and I do. They see him in practice every day. They see him in the meeting rooms every day. But I just don't understand, even when putting the most cynical twist on the entire conversation you can possibly put on it, why an NFL team would trade for Deshaun Watson right now. We're about to go into the first preseason game. We are four weeks away from the NFL season. You're going to blow up your locker room with that? This isn't like, you know, if he, if Patrick Mahomes was like, I want out of Kansas City, all right. You know, like that Josh Allen wants out of Buffalo. Not to say these aren't happening, but Josh Allen wants out of Buffalo. All right. Lamar Jackson wants out of Baltimore. Maybe if you can put a shot in his arm. Like, yeah, like, okay, these guys don't have these off-field allegations hanging over them. But right now, 
at this point of the offseason to bring in a guy who might not be able to play for you at least for the first number of weeks, I just don't get it, man. And do I do I understand why people talk about Philly as a landing spot? All the other pieces fit together. I understand that. I just don't know why any team would make that deal right now. I really don't. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on here from that, but I, I agree with that 100. We're gonna talk about the locker room being first and foremost when you talk about an NFL franchise. We've seen what a little venom can do to a locker room and how they could bring everyone down. And we see this at the trade deadline. Maybe that's why we don't see the trades that go down as often in the National Football League because you need that brothership and whatnot in that locker room to grind through a seven, 17 game schedule. Now we're moving into. And uh, so kind of talk about maybe some cynicism here and whatnot. I know you do a lot of work there with Russ Tucker on the Russ Tucker pod. You know, we all love big guys. I'm a big guy fan myself. What are, what's in the range of outcomes for that Eagles line oh. going into next year? I see Dillard's already hurt. I mean, well, I know he's Dill- like a good whipping boy, right? Dillard's like whipping not, boy Dillard's, in Philly. I mean, Dillard's not – Dillard might not even win the backup left tackle job in Philly. I mean, that's a sham – uh, tackle competition. The beat writers have been saying it all along. Jordan Mailata, who had never played a down of football before three years ago, is kicking everybody's ass out there in training camp. I mean, Matt, look, you can you can apply this to the offensive line. You can apply it to the receiving core. You can apply it to the defense. You can apply it to Jalen Hurts. The range of outcome for this Philly team is enormous. Like I like I, if you were to tell me. They're going to sneakily win 11 games and win the division. I could see that happening. If you were to tell me they're going to bottom out and go 4-13, and 13, I could see it happening. Like, I, it, I, I just don't know. Like, the, everything was so broken last year. The offensive line had so many injuries. Peterson had completely lost interest in coaching that team. Wentz had completely lost interest in playing for that team. Roseman had completely lost interest in making good draft picks. Like, it, it was a team that needed an enema, and it got one. Um, now, I don't know how much nutrition the team has uh, uh, put uh, put into it, but let, let, I mean, the, the range of outcomes for Philadelphia. The thing about Philadelphia is no, no Philadelphia sports team, but especially the Eagles, is ever boring. The Eagles are always going to be doing something interesting, and that's why I think people – one of the other reasons that people are connecting Deshaun Watson to Philly, in addition to all the other dots that are being connected – but I mean, it, it, they're just never boring. And I don't think if, if this thing goes down, um, I just can't see them being run of the mill bad. Like, I, I feel like if things are bad, they're going to be really bad. I don't know if they're going to be that. I don't, I don't see them being nearly as bad as they were last year, though. I, I feel like the Wentz Peterson thing had run its course. You know, you had the divided locker room. I, I really do think that locker room is behind Jalen Hurts right now. And I think that is going to prevent this thing from going completely downhill. But I mean, I could see so I, I could see a seven win difference from the, the low end outcome to the high end outcome for this team. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on health and if Jalen Hurts can avoid turning the football over. It never fails. I have myself on mute for a certain period of time. We've got kids running around here. There's like footsteps and pitter patter. So I'm completely understood. So I try to be, I try to be respectful there and try and keep the other noises out of the backdrop. But you know, we've heard Miles Sanders talk. We've heard uh, Jalen Rager talk that Jalen Hurts is our guy. We we love him. We believe in him. We've heard these players step up going back to last season before he took over the role, right? So mm-hmm. we do know that we're going on there. So anyway, we're gonna move on to the major portion of the show here we talked a little bit of rocky you talked about the eagles playing a little bit of rocky playing into that but here we go joe dolan you're coming on you're coming to pitch for the phillies you're coming to close a game out or you know what you're going to be the philly fanatic you're going to make your entrance into the wwe ring what what's that intro music that's going to get queued up to bring you down oh well actually i've always said this and i'm not actually like a huge fan of this guy but I legitimately thought if I was ever going to be a closer for like the Phillies, I have thought my I I I love the idea of Bret Hart's theme music. Like like I just think it's a super high intensity kind of like so like. But if I was going to the wrestling ring, that wouldn't work, right? Because it's already used. So it's been done. Have, yeah, you got to be a little more original with that. I'd have to come up with something else. Like um, I don't know. I don't know if I can pull it off because like one of my favorite bands is um. Uh, the drive-by truckers they're they're like from the south down here um and they do like kind of a, a southern rock americana country like but swampy like really like heavy guitars and stuff and they got a song um called where the devil don't stay and it's a song it starts with like a 
and then like a really deep guitar like and then like there's this at the beginning there's this uh, jason isbell actually who's a really uh, popular solo artist now used to be the lead guitar player he does this slide note that goes wow and it's like it's got this really slow build to like a super high intensity song and i think like if you if you wanted to build the intensity i could do that so like that that might be like my kind of wrestling intro i don't know if i could pull that off i like country music and americana music but i'm i'm a city boy from the north so i don't know if i could pull off that aesthetic in a wrestling ring or not <laughs> i i love it man I, I love a little bit of country music a little bit of that southern rock is kind of my my cup of tea there so i'm gonna have to look these guys up here and see what i can listen to and see if it kind of fits my mood here as well um yeah oh, we they're, all know- they're, they're swampy man they're they they got the, those boys got something to say so yeah i like Drive-by truckers, man. They're, uh, I can't wait to see them. I'm seeing them in October. I actually saw them a week before everything shut down in Washington, D.C., so I'm, I'm fired up to go see them. Uh, that sounds great. Uh, I might. Do they come to Canada? We got. I got. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Um, they um, I think they've done the Horseshoe Tavern quite a bit in Toronto. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how often they've been out west, but I, I can, I can definitely think I, I know that they've gone to like um calgary i feel like they certainly have what's the closest major american city to you the american city closest yeah yeah oh boy maybe seattle okay oh wow so that's uh yeah that that's a ways away Seattle, vegas somewhere in there wow okay yeah i mean i definitely know they go there patterson actually lives in portland so um i i would think calgary would be on their tour date matter of fact while you're uh while you're uh, figuring out how to stop me babbling, I might actually go look up their uh, their tour dates so I can see if they're going yeah, to yeah. Canada. No, well, while you're doing that, I'll, I'm going to ask you this question when you're looking at it because we've talked about the big Philly scene, and we know sports is huge for everybody and the importance of growing up. What did you play? What were some of your favorite players uh, growing up in Philly? Oh, um, well, I mean, my first favorite player was Randall Cunningham and Lenny Dykstra nails uh, for the 93 Phillies and Randall Cunningham in the early 90s. But of course, one of my first Philly sports memories, I think it was like week one of 92 or 93 was I was uh, was my dad. I was outside um, and my dad telling coming out to tell me that Randall was hurt. It was, uh, I think, week one or week two against the Jets one of those years. So it was uh that that was a that was a, a welcome to Philadelphia f- sports fandom. Uh, Randall, I believe, tore his ACL in Week One. I think it was like '92 or '93, somewhere around there. Um, and then they had to bring in like Bubby Brister and Jim McMahon to play quarterback for him. And um, that was one of my first favorite players. But I really fell in love um, with the Eagles um, in the Andy Reid Donovan McNabb era. Because like that is when like you know you're really starting to I was uh I was 13 when Andy Reid was hired and I'm actually 12 right before I turned 13 when Andy Reid was hired and Donovan McNabb was uh, drafted as the quarterback and that's when like you know it, it, as a kid back then I, I loved the NBA I was a big Shaq and Penny guy uh, in Orlando and then Iverson came to Philly so you know we had um so I was more into the NBA it was a little bit flashier at that time. Um, and but then Andy and Donovan came in to to um, Philly and completely changed the culture of that team. Where it was what could go wrong to what could go right up until they would go, go wrong at the very last possible moment, as they tended to do with Andy and Donovan. The <laughs> NFC championships, the NFC, and they made a Super Bowl. Um, uh, they weren't very good in that Super Bowl. Um, it was close and competitive, but um, that was when I really started to get into the. You know what? Not only do I do I like watching this, but I like talking about this. I like I like um, I like uh, uh, discussing this and arguing this and understanding this. So that was my first real Philly sports like obsession. As a matter of fact, let me let me back up. My name is Dolan. Uh, I, I come my my mom's one hundred percent Italian, but obviously my dad was Irish. I actually grew up probably more obsessed with Notre Dame football than I did with um with the Eagles. Now do not tell anybody that except for the people listening to this podcast because as a Penn State grad I had to renounce my Notre Dame fandom. That had to that had to go out the door. Um but that was probably my first uh my first obsession. But the Andy and Donovan, I know that's not a unique um story for when I really became obsessed. But those those eras, I mean I 
I remember exactly where I was for all those disappointments in the NFC Championship. I remember where I was when they finally got over the hump. I remember where I was seeing them play in the Super Bowl. And like, even though that was only a short run, I was like, I remember 2005 was the year after they went to the Super Bowl and the whole T.O. thing happened and brought like, I mean, T.O. basically destroyed the locker room. Um, I guess essentially he created a rift or maybe Donovan created the rift in the locker room between the two. Um, and then Donovan got hurt in 2005 and the Eagles had a losing season in 2005. And I distinctly remember saying, man, I forgot what that felt like. Um, that's kind of something that like the Phillies gave me for five years. It's like only five years. They can give you one of those like runs where you're like, man, I I don't expect my team to lose, but yeah, Andy and Donovan were, were a big, probably a big reason why I'm here today. Just in terms of, um, just in terms of like getting obsessed with football and talking about it and analyzing it. And, you know, I, I have them to thank. It was a fun time to be an Eagles fan. So we're just going to move this on more of a personal type question here. What, what's one that, what's that one decision outside of like marriage or the birth of a child or anything like that? What's that one decision that kind of changed the trajectory of your life? Okay. Um, uh, don't, uh, I, I hope John Hansen doesn't get mad at me because this is, this is simply, um, something that led me to John Hanson. So when I graduated college, I graduated from Penn state in 2008, like a week before I graduated college, like a two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, some, a very short time before I graduated college, didn't have a job. And, um, I got offered a full-time job to cover like prep sports, high school sports, uh, in Scranton PA area, Wilkes-Barre PA, uh, for a newspaper up there. And I took it. I'm like, how can I turn this down? The job market was garbage. I had a journalism degree. Like the guy was so nice. His name was Larry. And I'm like, I have to take this, this gig. So I, I called him and I accepted it. And, you know, I didn't feel great about it. I was like, I'm not sure this is what I want to do, but like, I got to do something. I got to pay the bills. Um, literally like a day or two after I took that job, I, um, I, I, rem- I got a call from Chris McPherson, who's with the Philadelphia Eagles and PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And he goes, oh, my buddy, uh, uh, the guy who I used to work with at Penn State in the newspaper there, Justin Kunkel, had worked for CMAC with the Eagles. And he called me and he said, you know, Justin told us about you. Yeah, we're hiring somebody to do a one-season kind of deal to write on the website. So I interviewed with, the, with, with Chris. And uh, about an hour later, he called back and he said, um, we're going to cancel the rest of our interviews if you take this job. Um, which was un- exceptionally flattering to me. Um, as, as somebody who's always struggled with something called imposter syndrome, where I just don't feel like I belong anywhere, it's that that's that's a really nagging kind of anxiety. Um, I I I I accepted right away, and I knew that you know I'm this shithead kid. Pardon my French. Who a a twenty one year old kid who a, a newspaper editor in Scranton just gave a full time gig to, and I have to call this guy and tell him I by the way that promise I made you, um, and by the way that promise I made you where you were going to pay me a salary. No, I'm going to go do something where they pay me nine bucks an hour. Um, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Um, just for the experience it gave me. But by the same token, I would never say to somebody, feel like you, you have to work for $9 an hour and pass up a full-time salary just because that's how you're supposed to get in. Like, I don't buy that. I got lucky. Um, I will tell you this. I did miss some student loan payments, um, and I nuked my credit score to do that. Like, I and, and I, I think I was naive. I didn't realize I was going to do that. I was 21. You know, like the, the biggest financial decisions I ever had to make was knowing the beer specials, you know, like at the bars in state college, like that, those were the biggest, those were the only financial, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Those were the only financial decisions I was ever making. So um, I didn't know what that was going to do to my credit score uh, and, and, you know, like student loans and all that stuff. I nuked those things. Um, didn't realize I was going to do it. You know, when I finally got my first job with Hanson in 2009, which, which the Eagles gig directly parlayed into. Um, so I don't regret it at, at all. I'm in a, an amazing field and an amazing position, but I, my grandma had to co-sign my lease on an apartment in 2009 because my credit score was that bad. Like, so, I mean, I, I made sacrifices. It, 
in hindsight, it was the best decision I ever had, but it also could have ruined me. I got lucky, man. Like I got lucky. Like when, when my, uh, my internship, I guess you would call it was coming to an end. My coworker with the Eagles was like, by the way, I was perusing monster and I, this job isn't for me, but it's looking for young guys who can relocate to Atlantic County, New Jersey and write for a fantasy football website. And I mean, just talk about serendipity and like luck. And, you know, I, sometimes I hate when people ask, I, I never feel comfortable chiming in on the question when people um, on Twitter are like, well, how do you break into the fantasy industry? Like, how can I possibly, like, I look at these stories and all these insightful comments and I said, oh yeah, I'm just a kid who got lucky. And I mean, it's true. And I think, I think coming to accept that and still carving out my place in the industry was a big part of me growing up because I felt there was like kind of this gnawing at me for my first like six, seven years in the industry that I had to really prove myself and almost like a, a, a visceral reaction inside myself that I did earn this when I knew deep down, I, I probably got an opportunity that a lot of people didn't get just because of timing. Yeah. Can I talk? Sure. Can I write? It's one of the few things I can do well. Um, but I, I got lucky and Hanson, you know, handed me a lot of stuff i'm not gonna lie about that um I, but I, but i mean i'd like to think that like i've i've taken the opportunity i was given and have made something of it and i still struggle with that i still struggle seeing some of the talented people you know who are on twitter and like you're like this guy has 500 followers and he's way smarter than i am like i i, I kind of struggle with those things sometimes and i'm sorry this was a long-winded explanation to the to answer your question but that's how i got into the industry that's the best decision I ever made. And, you know, it, it stinks for me to say to somebody that the best decision I ever made, you know, put me behind all my student loans and tanked my credit score. You know, uh, I didn't even know I had a credit score. Uh, but uh, like, I mean, that that is the best decision I ever made. But, you know, I did make some sacrifices uh, financially. I lived in a, uh, in a house where I had only a bedroom with three guys I had never met before. But, you know, I, ultimately, though, I think my, my luck and my privilege led to that, too. I like how you mentioned that you were lucky, and I'm using air quotes for people who aren't watching right now because you're not the first one to mention that the right time, right place, everything worked out well for you. But here's the thing. we Everyone can kind of say, oh, you got lucky. Well, guess what? Once you get in, you have to stay in. You have to prove yourself. You have to step up. And I think you've done that. Like We look over the things you guys have done. We kind of talked. This kind of leads into the next question with Fantasy Points. But, you know, we had the, the years over fantasyguru.com. We also had the uh, uh, fantasy free agent era there that kind of led yeah. into fantasy points. We could talk about uh, your lecture journalism your, uh, as a lecturer at Penn yeah. State. Like, it, it's not like you're some Joe off the street that they gave you a couple slices of pizza and coaxed you into a fantasy position. Like, we're yeah. looking at you've turned your. I believe you're one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate, rankers, according to Fantasy Pros, for a four year span. Like these are things that prove that you belong where you belong. And yeah, you might've got lucky or whatever you want to call it, but that doesn't mean nothing until you got to put the time in and stay at top. Um, and I think the one thing that I was able to do is when I joined fantasy guru with John in 2009, it was it, it, me and Matt camp came along and we were younger guys. And literally 2009 was right when Twitter was starting to take off. And uh, if there was if there was a big time fantasy account on Twitter before Matt Camp told John Hansen you really should do this, I don't know if there was one. And I think John was one of the initial voices on Twitter on on, on fantasy, and that's that's one of the big reasons he's got the hundred bajillion followers on Twitter. You know, like he we were first there. And the one thing I think I can say is because we had some younger guys. Um, in the, in the, uh, with, with guru, we were able to kind of see and feel the industry evolving in real time. I, I am extremely online, man. Like I, I asked my wife, I, when, when I charge my phone, I get my iPad out. Okay. Like I understand what's going on in, in, in the, in the industry and just in, in the, the zeitgeist, like I understand what's going on in like the sports world and the real world and seeing how things are evolving and really realizing when, if we don't evolve, we're done. You know, when, when I started in the industry, 
a lot of the sites, even in 2009, were like mom and pop, um, which is what we are at Fantasy Points. I think we like to put, I think we maybe put off maybe a more quote unquote dignified honor in as much as fantasy can be dignified uh, writing about fake football. But like these sites that were just like, look like they, you know, were created on GeoCities. And, you know, it was guys who, it was the same website that people built in 1999. And, you know, you were charging a couple bucks for advice and it was still like, yeah, right. I don't have to do any more than that because people are still going out and buying the magazine and that's what they're drafting with. And so the websites already, just by the nature of subscribing to a website, you gave somebody an edge. You don't need to have all the bells and whistles that websites do now. You didn't need to have something that looked like it was super professionally designed. You know, even Fantasy Guru in 2009, which looked ahead of a lot of the other sites, you know, our article pages were just big blank things with like, God, I... I, I forget what font we used, but I hated it. Like, I can't even look at it anymore. <laughs> I think it was, it might've been Helvetica. I, I, I completely forget what font it was, but I couldn't even look at it anymore. I, I, I just like, it started to grate on me. And then, um, you know, the, we, we started to evolve and then it just came to um, a point where we wanted to do something new. Um, and that led to fantasy points. And, you know, we wanted to be the ones who really directed you know, kind of where we went and who we hired. I love that because we're going to, I'm going to move into that because it kind of segues nicely to where I'm going. Uh, as someone who's kind of done the same website design for uh, dynastyvipers.com, it was all about the graphics and making it pop a little bit. And I, the, of course, the content's very important, probably the most important, but you kind of, as a mom and pa, like I really like to call ourselves yeah. there, it's, we got to have something, a visual, something to kind of bring people in. But we talk about fantasy points. I know one of the things that Ben has done, he's got that fantasy points media group. Mm -hmm. That's one evolution that fantasy points has kind of put together. Um, fantasy points is always evolving. You mentioned you're in tune with the social networking, with the online crowd. What's next in the evolution of yeah. fantasy points? Where are we well, going I, next? The other thing is like we, it, it's a realization of where we do have to get better. And the one thing that I think we did uh, in our first year at Fantasy Points, which I thought was overall very successful, especially considering the circumstances of the season we were in, um, we all like were so excited for this endeavor. We all like uh, our owners uh, of, of whom like we are we are a worker owned website. I own it. Graham owns it. Tom owns it. Ben owns it. John owns it. Scott owns it. We are worker owned. Um, so. But we were so excited about this that we all kind of splintered and we all did our own thing and there wasn't like a ton of communication. And I still think we did a great job, but like this year we're trying to focus on bringing it around more. And and like, I do think there are areas where we have to, to step up our game, you know, video stuff. So, like, so I think our social media is okay, but like maybe Instagram, YouTube, you know, really getting interactions like those cheap retail pro football focus is so gd good at it just like creating arguments with like a simple graphic like yeah i mean like you get people calling you idiots but people know who pro football focus is you know like we, we, we could we could probably do a little bit of stuff like that i don't want to get into the hot takey stuff but like just increasing like our presence but ultimately we're we're a vehicle for subscribers. We want to be, we want to interact with subscribers a little bit better than we did last year. And I think it was just in large part, all, each of us biting off more than we could chew as an individual while not realizing that there was a collaboration that we could have that would lighten the load on all of us and yet make the, um, make the, the overall product better. And I think part of that is everybody working remotely. Um, but I think another part of that was simply people at, like getting into a new thing and being excited about it um, without a year of knowing how each of us works. Um, and, and I think, I think we're going to be better for that in year two. Um, so that's what, by the way, one of the big reasons in addition to the pandemic that I thought we started with such low prices at the website was I thought that was going to kind of be our thing. Like, okay, wait a minute. Some people are selling their optimizer for $300 you mean to tell me I could subscribe to Fantasy Points and get everything they offer, including an in-house optimizer and draft tool for under two hundred dollars? So, like, that was part of our reason. Like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna soften our wallets for a while, um, 
And, you know, we, we want to get our names out there. So I think that's one of the things that we've been doing that we're, and we're just trying to improve on all that stuff. I think there's a relationship with, with our subscribers where they're like, we're giving this stuff to you. Uh, we think it's a pretty good price. We want you to help us improve it. And we want you to tell us what we're not doing right. A lot of those things we'll realize we needed to do a little bit better. Um, but we, we think ultimately it's going to be worth it. We kind of wanted to create like a, a familial atmosphere, which I think we need to do a better job of, but, um, I'm hoping, I hope the subscribers got that from us in the first year. Well, the, the content you're going to get over there is, is great. You know what I mean? Like I use it for all my shows. I pull up the numbers and the articles like, you know, uh, Barrett and, uh, Barfield, they just came out with two major, major articles major, in the last couple stuff. of days. I mean, I mean, just like, I, and that's another thing where like that my imposter syndrome comes in. Like, I just, I don't have, this might sound incredibly stupid given that I'm in a numbers game in fantasy football, but I'm my, I am much more of, have much more of a way with words than I do with numbers. And like Scott and Graham's ability to parse, look, look through numbers and figure out what's, what's, what's signal, what's noise is something I just never really possessed all that much. I feel like I can make an argument around that, but like those guys just do just work that is just ab above and beyond me. And like, I look at some of the stuff that like, for instance, Kevin Cole from pro football focus, he just put out an article um, that I, I mean, a some of it went over my head, but a lot of it was, Hey, maybe running backs matter a little more than we thought they did. Like the, and it had all of this analysis going into it. That's that's like tearing down presuppositions. And I'm like, I, my brain just doesn't work that way. I'm glad there's people out there who do it. So I'm still struggling with co almost coming up with my own niche in, in this thing. And I think being a people person is kind of my thing. Um, and trying to and trying to organize things in, in a way that I think people like to consume it. And see, I just hope my facial hair works for me because that's all I bring to the party. Uh, yeah, it's a lot better than mine, man. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you know, it's 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 a little patchy. It's not it's not as scraggly as it could be, but you know, I just I look way too young without it, and I look like I need to lose weight anyway. I look way too fat without it. Like it's like look at this big dope with these cheeks. I look like one of the seven dwarves. Like uh, when I like I think what's his name, Dopey. Uh, yeah, I think I look like him without the. Uh, <laughs> without the uh without the beard and that's why i keep the beard it hides one of the yeah. chins on me too so uh, it, it's kind of a it's like a dressing right it's like putting pants on me if my neck is basically yeah, my beard exactly is. that's that that's the way i look at it i believe me i'm not winning any contests anytime soon i just think i look better with it maybe that's delusional my wife hasn't told me that um but i look at pictures like even of my wedding which was six years ago and i don't have any facial hair i was like oh my god you look like such a doof like <laughs> you look like such a baby <laughs> Speaking of the baby face days, we, we, we start this journey. We talked about this journey. Uh, we've kind of touched on a little bit. What What's some of the biggest changes you've seen today from when you first started oh, in the fashion industry? Oh, my God. Uh, what can I uh, – I mean, the biggest change in fantasy is, like, real analysts who have actual minds for fantasy. Like – even when I started in 2009, when you could still play, you know, I mean, you people have been playing online for what, like nine, 10 years at that point. I don't know exactly when ESPN or Yahoo, you know, or, or whoever launched their fantasy pro platforms, but fantasy was readily accessible then. But I mean, even when I uh, started, the analysis was like, let, let's liken it to, um, you know, the back of the baseball card stats you know, batting average, RBI, you know, stuff like that, where it was the basics. And your analysis was he had this many yards and he averages this many fantasy points per game. And that's why he's good. And, you know, and just people have gotten so much better at describing what makes a fantasy player good at what makes a football player good. And now using that information to make it actionable for fantasy, you know, one of the things that like John Hansen always told Adam Kaplan when John was um, when 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 Adam was working, uh, he was at Scout and ESPN and all these places. It's like Adam was an was an insider who played fantasy, and you know I think Adam parlayed that into something that like you know people kind of would like shun it. Like people would be like, "Oh, you're one of those fantasy guys." Well, yeah, bud, and like like you. 
let's be frank. I love the athletic. The athletic kicks ass. It is like people getting paid and people paying for journalism, paying for right. People should get ex be expected to be paid for their work, okay? But you think the athletic, which by the way has a fantasy section, you think that would be that big if people didn't want fantasy nuggets, fantasy tidbits from all these beat writers? You think football would be as big as it is without gambling? No. And it, it like I think that the mainstream acceptance of that, people channeling their energy and their smarts into breaking down a game is not something that existed. Like Hanson always told me, he said, and I'm sorry to keep bringing them up, but Hanson's told me a lot. Like, like John Hanson said, the only thing he needed in 1995 to do this was the balls to do it and a satellite dish because nobody else had the means or the balls to do it or very few people did. And nobody, and, and, the only time you were getting to see some of these teams were with Boomer and Jackson on primetime. And you were seeing highlights. And John was able to watch 15 games a week and saying, you know what? This guy, Isaac Bruce, who was a second-round pick this year who didn't play till the end of the season, this guy looks really good. And then he blows up the next year. Like, you know, like, but that the margins that were that were able to be created in 1995 by following a fantasy expert have significantly narrowed so now it's not just, everybody's got smart analysts on their site everybody's got somebody who can who can write the question is which package which what's the delivery system you know that you that you prefer you know and and like so i'm not naive enough to think bible i think we do kick ass work I'm not naive enough to think there aren't other places that have phenomenally smart people. And I think just the mainstreamification of, of fantasy analysis and that being the reason that beat writer. I mean, look, why did NFL teams have to put out injury reports? It's not just for competitive balance. It's for gambling and fantasy. I mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, you, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Um it, like I, I think the mainstreamification of that has been the biggest thing that's changed. Like, like when I tell people I'm a football writer, I still do that by the way. Um, cause I don't want like, I, 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 maybe I should cut it down and just say I'm a fantasy football writer. I tell people I'm a football writer just because I feel like that's easier to grasp for people. Like if they're cutting your hair, but like, I always end up saying, Oh, by the way, I'm a fantasy football writer. Maybe I should cut that down, but people know what that is. Like I remember when I worked for fantasy guru and I told like somebody I work for fantasyguru.com and I'm like, is that a porn site? <laughs> it's like I was like, there ain't no porn site that's hiring me, trust me. Uh uh, like uh, so um it's just how everything's become mainstream and and how every how smart people are investing their time in this. They found this as a worthwhile career path for them. And I think a lot of people do this as a hobby. I think some people view it as a career path. I think some people view it as a hobby where like, you know, I just, en I just enjoy this the way, you know, don't uh, look, I like to play golf. I have no interest in doing um, a podcast about it. Cause it's just something where I escape, but like, I would love to sit down and do like a podcast on like music or video games or something just for like, I don't have any intention of being a professional. But, like, I just love talking about it. And, like, I, I just think the main – how mainstream it's become, how accepting it's become, how how accepted it's become. I know NFL players – I don't expect NFL players to care about fantasy. That's that's another thing. But I do expect the league to care about it. And I think that uh, I, that's the whole thing that's kind of um, come around where, like, fantasy content might be, like, the most consumed NFL content at this point. I have to imagine it's up there. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And you mentioned, you hit it right on the head there. The NFL recognizes how important fantasy football is, not just in North America. Like, we, we're we spreading, it's global. It's not just here. It's not just in Canada. It's not just the United States. We've got, like, I know on the Vipers site alone, we've got Brazil being represented, mm -hmm. uh, Netherlands that represented, Australia, Australia being represented. That's not even touching England and stuff. You look at some of these fantasy football leagues, you've got the EFFC, the European Fantasy Football Con like You've got huge leagues that are the, the Warrior Pro the Warrior Bowl, uh, making charitable donations. Yeah, it's absolutely sick. You look at the numbers and the money that was raised in that Warrior Bowl, and that's just a small portion of what the fantasy football industry does, not just for the National Football League, but for 
fantasy sports in general. I don't think we see that kind of numbers. I'm not into fantasy baseball or anything, but I can't imagine fantasy baseball being quite up there with fantasy football and fantasy hockey. Forget about it. I mean, let's be honest. Like I'm on Sirius XM fantasy. Um, I am not speaking for anybody at that channel. There is a reason Sirius XM fantasy football is a year round show. That's all I'm saying. Just saying. Just saying. Like no, saying. Fa- fantasy football is the big thing. And by the way, there's a lot of fantasy fantasy baseball. You want to talk labor of love, man? Like Ooh. if you like, I mean, it's just it's a game where I always tend to lose interest. The problem is the stretch run for fantasy baseball is when I'm heating up into football, and I always lose interest. And I feel bad. I should probably just leave the league I'm in because um, I love baseball. I just love watching it. But um, it's it, it, talk about a labor of love. I respect that. I respect it, and I love it. But I mean, it, fantasy fantasy football is king. I mean, football's king. Fantasy football's king. And I actually think this is just a complete guess, but I think fantasy basketball is second at this point. Really? Like I said, I don't get much into those other fantasy sports. Baseball, I can't do. It's way too much. I feel it's way too time consuming with the different lineups and the pitch. And just I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to avoid this at all costs. I love that you mentioned John there. We got him coming on on the 23rd for the show. I love those OG type stories. You know, we've had Bob Harris come on. We had Paul Charchin talk about sending out envelopes out of his apartment building way back when. When you get anytime you get an opportunity to talk in the early 90s when it comes to fantasy football, it, it, it's fantastic. I know you've heard all these stories, and uh, it's definitely changed the way we look at it. And you mentioned now, oh, now Hanson's going to be able enough. to tell you firsthand the stories that he's related to me. You know, I've taken those, by the way. Sorry to step on your toes. I've taken no those and kind of like assimilated them into my worldview, but I love asking him some stories like about like you know, old running backs that like everybody's forgotten about and John will have a story about them. Like, I love that stuff. And he's just got that, that, that delivery, right? We talk about that delivery. How do you deliver your product? The way he speaks, it's like, I want to grab like some marshmallows and some hot dogs and let's get around a campfire and just listen to John speak. You know, yeah. it's, it's that voice tell you and everything stories. about it. Yeah. He'll tell you some stories. There's no two ways about that. So we know you've been in all kinds of podcasts there and this and that. So I'm not going to make you kind of figure out what your favorite one is because it's obviously the Viper cast. But if you weren't into fantasy football, like if you weren't doing fantasy, if your life didn't take you to fantasy, what would you be doing right now with your life? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, probably like, you know, I feel, oh, actually, you know what I would be doing? And, and I told my wife this and like that, I can't believe it took me this long to come up with an answer. I was going to say writing for a paper, but I would have gotten burnt out by doing that. You know, a, a Brawley at Fantasy Points, we pulled him from writing for a paper and like, I'm, I'm sure he loves doing this much more. Um, I would be teaching. And that is like, it, it's not my wife's, my wife's an academic. Um, she has a PhD. Um, and, and because she had just connections at Penn State, I got to be a lecturer teaching like an entry level journalism course and I loved it. Like I was I remember I was scared shitless my first day. Like I mean I and I didn't tell them. I, d- I remember I specifically did not tell the students until my last day of that semester that it was my first semester teaching, which was a smart move because I gradually became more comfortable. But you talk about a full on um imposter syndrome attack. What the hell am I doing in that classroom? But I ended up loving it. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to like toot my my own horn, but like um I had a student tell me I changed her life. Like, like just like giving her a passion for like journalism. I'm like, shit, I don't even have that passion. <laughs> like, but I know about it, like, and I know what good journalism looks like. And I, I don't think frankly, Matt, I don't think I was cut out for it. Like, I didn't think I had the stomach for the kind of investigative reporting that I think really good reporters need to do. But I get like, what's the old adage that's kind of bullshit. I grew up in a teacher's household. If you can't do teach, I think it applied to me in that regard, but I was, you know, I can talk my way around a paper bag, but like, I also understood the, the subject matter. And like, I was able to get over to the fact that I, at first I didn't feel like I belonged in the classroom to feeling like I did a really damn good job of like, 
you know, teaching myself something about myself. And I, hopefully that came off to the students. But I have, by the way, I have zero desire to go back to school. Bachelor's degree is enough for me. But if, if, if I weren't doing the fantasy thing, I would be riding my wife's coattails and trying to teach at a university and teaching just like basic level journalism and speech communications and not like speech therapy, but speech communications. And I feel like that would be my calling, just kind of interacting with people. So let's keep let's keep this conversation going here. You said you you kind of learned as you went by through that semester. You kind of grew as a teacher uh, as you went on. Let's put you say that your classroom is now fantasy sports. What have you learned about yourself through fantasy sports? You know, I kind of feel like um, I, I wish I could say like you know I'm I'm like a Sean Siegel who, you know, comes up with the zero RB. I wish I could say that. I'm not smart enough to do that. I wish I could say I'm like Scott, who comes up with the bell cower bus theory. I'm not smart enough to do that. But one thing I've noticed is I've had a ton of success in quote-unquote expert drafts or industry drafts, whatever you want to call them. And quite frankly, Matt, I think I just use common sense. Like, and I mean, I wish I could... And I don't have common sense in everyday life, so throw that out the window. But I'm just like you know what I do is I draft good players and you know, I don't ever try to get too cute. And I think I'm really good at reading a room. This is why some of these underdog drafts are killing me because I can't read the room in an underdog draft and it drives me nuts. Um, But like, it's almost like poker in a way is like, I know that guy's not going to take a quarterback. So I'm not going to either. Like I know because I know that guy started running back, running back. There ain't no way he's taking one. Like it just like it's self-evident stuff. Or like I just feel like I'm really good in a room of industry players who I think I can read a little bit more. I will guarantee you, I am I'm going to be more comfortable drafting in the flex draft in two weeks. Then I am. Uh, I have a I have a title belt back there to prove it. By the way, I don't know if you can see it. Then I am in my buddies' draft because my buddies are they're lunatics. They're mercurial. I don't know what they're going to do. I know what those people are going to do. So like, I can tell you, I, like, I feel like I can read a room really well with people I know. Like, that's kind of thing. Like, I'm the fact that that I'm really comfortable in those expert drafts. I think is something I've learned about myself. That maybe I am pretty good at this. At least you know, maybe I'm not good at putting it into words, but I'm good at putting it into action. Uh, I I also love that too because it it's constant. First of all, the secret of fantasy football is drafting good players. But the second part is I love it because you get into these Scott Fish Bulls or you, yeah. these Warrior Bulls where it's fans and analysts. You don't know what that guy's um, going to do. That draft is so uncomfortable, and I know that's the way Scott wants it. But like, man, who do I am I uncomfortable in the Scott Fish Bowl? I get a kick out of it because everyone's like, come join our mock draft. I said, you know what? I'm not even going to do a mock draft. Not, Every, no, I've no. never, I did a mock draft in Scott Fishbowl 7. I did a couple mock drafts, and it did not go anything like the mock. Yeah. Not even close. Not one iota. Now, I love you mentioned the flex because I just seen John Daggle there. He was in the flex league here with Jake Seeley here not too long ago. I think his first eight picks were wide receivers. Yeah, I was on air talking about that, and I think he went a <laughs> Let's just put it. I think he went a little overboard. Let's let's put it that way. I'm I, I know zero RB can work. I thought that was a little overkill, just personally. And that might be. And I think his next pick was a quarterback after that. Yeah. So there was at least no running back until at least the 10th. I, I can't remember what that board was looking like, but it was his first <laughs> running back next was like do Tony Pollard. Yeah, that's what I think his first running back was. So yeah, need needs a few things to go right there. Yeah, it's but you know what? You get in these expert leagues, these flex leagues, and sometimes you need that break. You know what I mean? You need that one guy to, that no one else is counting on or all of a sudden to step up or hit that waiver wire and grab yourself a James Robinson after week one and throw that fob at him and fab, fob, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I call everything wrong. I can't even I say, say people's names. That's why I say. I say uh, fab. I'm just glad you're on the show because I could pronounce both your first and last name. You may be the first guest I've been able to do that for. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I could provide you the most boring name possible. It, it works. Hey, it works, especially after the last couple of shows. But we talk about these relationships. You've mentioned John Hansen several times over. And um, obviously, he's definitely one of those guys you respect in the industry. Who are some other guys that you respect and who have helped you along your uh, along your path? Well, I mean, obviously, I respect everybody who's in um... – who's uh with fantasy points that the brawley was in my wedding so i don't know i don't think anybody needs you know to, to know how much love i have for him um but um greg cosell who i mean 
I, you want to talk about somebody who I was scared to talk to for like the first four years I was in the industry. Greg was Greg's up there, but like Greg is like, I think he started to appreciate fantasy. He doesn't play, but he started to appreciate it a little bit more. And I think I love the fact that he just doesn't hot take anything like, and like it's so easy to, and he's finally earned the respect for that. So I love him. And I just remember the first guy um, I remember being super impressed by in the industry. And I'm not breaking any news here is Evan Silva. Just like, uh, you know, somebody who I, I think if there's somebody I I, I would kind of model myself after, and I know I filled his shoes on um, on on the fantasy feast, but uh, poorly. But I must admit, I, I I must admit I've done it poorly. But I've, I'm I'm at least there. I followed him, um, but um, you know, Evan isn't a guy who's going to be throwing spreadsheets at you, and not again. I respect all that. I can't do that. I don't have the mental mental capacity. I don't have the brain for numbers to do that. Um, but Evan, I think portrays things in a super common sense way. And I think that is one of the reasons he is as successful as he is, because I think his content is digestible to somebody who just wants fantasy advice and not somebody who wants fantasy advice telling me draft this player, draft this player, draft this player, draft this player, don't draft that player, draft this player. He gives you reasons. And you can agree or disagree with them, but he gives you common sense, plain spoken reasons. And I and I, I realize that maybe that is a talent, you know, like it, it's so much harder than it looks like it is a talent to be able to do that and to be able to put it. I, I, I mean, I don't think Evan would would ever accuse himself of being a concise writer. I, that's something we at Fantasy Points have been trying to fix for years. I just don't know if it's going to be fixed at all. The fact that we're not concise writers, but um, I, I, I really appreciate the way he does things and, you know, brings points together and tries to make a common sense point. Doesn't try to prove a narrative. Just try just gathers the information, filters the information and, and brews out a take that's, that's informed and not hot. And I think, I think that's something that maybe the fantasy industry is like, you know, I think Matthew Barry made his, made his money on that too. Just, you know, not, not necessarily throwing out every analytical number, knowing what they are, understanding what they say, but being able to, to, um, to present that to the reader is a, is a talent. And I, it's something I wish I had uh, the, the way they do. Especially you mentioned that, that, that short, concise, but to the point kind of thing. I, I thought I was an okay writer, not a great writer and everything. And I got, someone asked me to write an article for it with 200 words, I'm like 200 words. No problem. Yeah. You know how hard that is to actually make a no. good little bit on 200 words. And like to make your point, make it informative, and make it worth someone reading. That takes talent. That um, is more difficult than it sounds. I remember my uh, my, my uh, advanced journalism class at Penn State. I call, I taught Com two sixty, which was intro. I don't know why two sixty is intro level, but whatever. But Com four sixty was like the more advanced like journalism take him. Um, the first thing that our, our our guy John Harvey, who was also our news uh, advisor at the Collegian. Uh, the Penn, the Daily Collegian, which was the student newspaper at Penn State, gave us a set of facts. And every every journalism student has done this. Give you a set of facts and a set of quotes, jumble them up, write a story. And he said, write a 400-word story using this. All right. I'm in an advanced journalism class. Boom, boom, boom. 30 minutes done. And then he said, okay, make it 300 words. So he had you write the 400-word story then he told you, make it 300 and don't leave out a single fact. That was a lot harder than writing the 400-word story. Uh, yeah, I, I would think so. And it's something I wish I had, you know, I, I, it's, it's a discipline that I respect and I wish I had I had taken more of it with me. But, like, I'll never forget that assignment. And I'm glad. And maybe that's something maybe if anyone's watching the show right now, maybe that's an exercise that you can go out there and you can try yeah. right now. On your next article or if you're just sitting around – Thinking, what can I do? You know, let me write a 400 word article and then let me cut it down to 300, but still have the same delivery, same message. And you want, you want to challenge yourself. That's one way to do it. You know, it's easy to do 140 characters in a tweet and you're, you're not getting all the information that you want out of that. But you know what? Challenge yourself. Step up. Maybe we, we've talked about all kinds of advice here. You kind of threw it out earlier on. Maybe that's the one thing that someone who's looking to get into writing could really take home because those short, concise, Type 
things have a place in fantasy football. People are looking for a quick hitter with that information, all that information, the kind of a one-stop shop type thing. And uh, I think that's a good way to challenge writers right there, like you said. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was a really uh, difficult. I mean, I wish I could do that with all of our articles. There's just too much for me to do it. But man, um, it, it was a, it was an assignment I'll never forget. Well, I'm never going to forget this interview. We're definitely going to be doing this again. We're going to be running this back at some point during the season, hopefully. Um, I just want to make sure we threw this out here because uh, back in 2019, you won a, a Radio Show of the Year award with Matt Camp. You mentioned yeah. his name a little bit earlier. You guys got a little bit of recognition there for XM Fantasy Football Game Day. Uh, what, what are you doing here in this offseason right now or going into the season? What are your What's your big prep? What kind of shows are you doing? Um mm -hmm podcasts well right now we just pod. finished our uh, franchise focus series up at fantasy points which was my big off-season thing now it's just getting what we're going to call our draft cram together which is going to be just it's not going to be like a printout kit but just like um you'll be able to go to the website and it's going to organize all of our draft articles and put all that together and you know i did our auction slash salary cap draft plan i um I, uh, I'm doing our auction cheat sheets, just getting everything ready for the draft season and, and quality control is what, what we're going to be on. Um, I'm doing the Kings classic draft. Um, well it's over by now, if you listen to this, uh, if this is coming out Monday, but I'm broadcasting that on uh, Saturday, I'm in the hall of fantasy league with Graham Barfield, which is a brand new fantasy league. Um, I'm actually wearing our team hat. This is the Atlanta hot wings. Um, and essentially what it is, is you kind of become a fan of a fantasy team in the same way you're the fan of uh, an NFL team, or, you know, they, they likened it to esports, uh, where you become like a fan of an esports team. Graham and I are the general managers and you can purchase a stake in the team, become an owner of the team. And if we have success, you have success. So I think that you'll, you'll, you'll see that on my, uh, on my uh, Twitter feed. Um, Graham and I are going to be doing that all season long. There's some other guys in the industry. Kaplan's in it. Um, Bob Harris is in it. Uh, Michael Fabiano, um, Jeff Ratcliffe is in it. There's other, there's other names in, in as well, who, uh, have teams. We're literally the general managers for these teams. So this is going to be fun. We're the Atlanta hot wings. So, uh, wearing that hat. So it's going to be a fun year at fantasy points. Um, again, I feel like I've bit off a lot, um, I'm trying not to get worn out before the season get too burnt out, but hey, this is the time of year I'm popular, I guess. Hey, you, you hit it on the head right now. We're gearing up. We're going on. Head over to fantasypoints.com. Get yourself that subscription base. Go in there. Hey, if you want to save a few bucks, save 10%, use 21Vipers10 as the code, and that'll get you 10% off your subscription at Fantasy Points. And trust me, you're going to want this because once the season gets going, once the drafts are going – this is the place you want to do your one-stop shop here is at Fantasy Points. Uh, and as a proud member of the Fantasy Points Media Group, I highly endorse it. Mm -hmm. Now, saying that, this is Wednesday. The show's airing on the Monday. I just found out from Bob Long, I'm moving up from the Dawson division up to the Blanda division for the uh, for this year, for 2021. So I will be in the gold jacket room, hopefully, making those draft picks with the everyone else there. So you mentioned Fantastic. the Expo. Looking forward to that. And uh, I might just take, I might just become that fan and just start taking like eight wide receivers off the get go just to mess with everyone else in the room. Cause yeah, you, you mentioned they're all experts. So let, let's throw a little anarchy in it. Um, yeah, yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm interested to see your teams because I'll be broadcasting that. Uh, unfortunately, from this very seat that I'm in right now, but uh, I'll be broadcasting and throwing my takes out there. Yeah, we were actually in it together last year in the Dawson division, right? So we 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 were in the same league. I lost in both semifinals in both the snake and the auction. Absolutely crushing that I couldn't make it either one of the finals. But we'll see how it all works out here in 2021. And with that said, this is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast episode 86 with Joe Dolan. And uh, you know what, Joe? We're out of here. We had a good run today. See you next week. Oh, man, I, there it is.